Hello and welcome to this episode of the BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome back to the BDNG podcast. My name is Ashlyn Cleary and I am an advanced nurse practitioner in dermatology. And alongside me is my co-host Emmanuel Tony. Hello, and I too am an advanced nurse practitioner in dermatology. And on the podcast today, we have Victoria Thomas, who is a dermatology and nurse specialist from the northwest of the UK. And we are going to talk about psychodermatology. So welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we might start or kick off the podcast um, with our first question saying, what is psychodermatology and why are you so passionate about it? So psychodermatology, so it combines two of my passions really, which are mental health and skin. And I suppose it addresses the, the interaction between the mind and skin, which then helps us as healthcare professionals to understand what impacts that it's having on our patients, which is huge. You know, it's so misunderstood really and I um, I recently read that 70% of people living with a skin condition um, report that it's got a negative impact on their mental health and 5% of these experience suicidal thoughts. That's 5% too many people and we've got to do better at providing a service for these patients to to help them through that I think. And what does kind of psychodermatology look like in your clinics? Is it something you're heavily involved with or do you have access to specialist psychologists? So we are very lucky here. I mean, there's not um, many centres that have access to psychodermatology services. We are very lucky here that we do have a dedicated clinical psychology department but not so much the funding for the for the dermatology patients. So I'm actually working on a project at the moment as part of my master's dissertation where I'm looking at developing a service where we can have that dedicated service for patients. And you kind of touched on just how common it is to have mental health problems, uh, particularly when there is skin issues present. Uh, how do you kind of identify these issues? Are there any tools you use or, or any tips you can give? Yeah, I mean, so we use obviously the the standard assessment tools. So your DLQI, or we might use um, hospital and anxiety depression scale. Um, you know, the Beck's depression scale is really good as well. And I think as practitioners, we're very good at handing these assessment tools out and gathering all the information. But what do we do with that information? Because we haven't got anywhere then to signpost these patients or to help them, you know. But even so, you could have someone that scores really high on the DLQI, for example. You know, you can see that it's having a profound impact on the quality of life and mental health. Or you could have someone that scores really low. You know, they might just score a three. But actually, a three at one question is really high. You know, so it's about understanding that low score doesn't mean that the mental health isn't impacted. And, you know, how do we address that? So are you able to talk us through once you receive those scores, what your usual pathway is after that? So if we identify somebody that is scoring really high on the DLQI, it might just be something as, you know, as simple as, I can see you've scored really high here on this question. What can I do to support you with that? Or how can I help you with that? You know, 
and it, they might not need a, ref- <coughs> a referral, excuse me, to a, a clinical psychologist or they might not need psychology intervention, you know, but it's about recognising and offering and finding out from them what, what it is that we can do to support them. And so here at Our Trust, we're mm-hmm. very lucky to have a quite a good psychology service already yeah. in place. And one of the kind of first steps we would do with our patients be exactly that we have our impact scoring which is what you've already already mentioned and we can signpost to some kind of supportive uh, websites some charity websites yeah if it's definitely related to their skin then we're able yeah. to internally refer to our dermatology psychologist yeah. but if not then we use the IAPT service is that something that you regularly refer patients to no so I mean I don't know it's different from area to area and we have a lot of patients that come from um, different geographical areas you might get someone from Merseyside that's got access to the IAPT service but patients in Lancashire don't so I normally direct them to the online support groups and so psychodermatology .co.uk. It's got loads of skin support material on there for patients and for healthcare professionals as well. The BAD, I've got a really good website where you can find further information about your skin condition and they've got patient support groups as well, which some of my patients have just said it's changed my life. Talking to other patients or other people that are experiencing this and understand what I'm going through has given them a completely different perspective on how to manage it and there's other things like Minds Matter or Mental Health UK there's some really good apps you know like the Calm app for meditation or Insight Time there are loads of resources about you've just got to know about them to be able to access them. And you have much experience with kind of things like mindfulness in dermatology? So no, it, I mean, I, I love mindfulness. I think it's great. I think it's nice. I think we could all do with a bit of meditation every day just to switch off and relax. It's not something that we, we, we offer here. You know, it's something that we tell patients about. But again, the ownership has to be with them for them to go away and, and do that and really take that on board. And what about habit reversal? Do you, do you know much about that or is that something you do? So it's not something that we do, but it's something that we are trying to implement. Um, So as part of my project that I'm doing, so I'm going to be focusing on paediatric patients. Um, I've got a lovely paediatric clinical psychologist that's supporting and obviously a lovely team of like dermatology nurses and and doctors are are really supportive. So the plan is to refer this group of, of children that are, you know, really struggling with itchy, horrendous skin. I'll refer them to, to Amy, Dr. Amy, our clinical psychologist, and she will implement some habit reversal therapy for them. And we'll kind of measure the outcomes of that. She uses it a lot for patients that have Tourette's to, to help them with ticking. And she says it's really successful when I've spoken to other dermatology nurses who use it. They love it. So hopefully it's something we can get implemented here. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Uh, I do just have a question with you going back slightly, sorry, back to the kind of mental health assessments. So you've got a patient in front of you that that you're worried about, you know, maybe a PHQ score, PHQ9 or whatever version you use is, is high. Are there any very important questions you need to ask then and there? Yes, absolutely. So always ask if the patient's got any thoughts or plans of self-harm or suicide. And, you know, thoughts and plans are very different. So it might be something that they think about. And I have had patients that will say, well, yeah, I've thought about it, but I'll never do it. 
you know, I've got three children and a husband and, you know, I, I don't want that. So that's very different to somebody that's got plans in place to, to either self-harm or, or to even worse. So, yes, always ask those questions. And sometimes I even ask those questions, you know, someone might be scoring low, but again, you know, you don't know who's in the room with them. You can have adolescents that are coming in for review, you know, and they don't want to admit to their parents that they're feeling low or they're really affected so you can usually tell by their body language and their demeanor you know so again even if they're not scoring high on those score sheets I will always ask that question if it something triggers for me to ask it. No for sure and I think back to your point there about people underscoring um, I've yeah. seen that quite a lot in practice as well where it's kind of they they've nearly gotten used to this yeah. level of discomfort or anxiety or not coping with their skin condition that they don't score it high enough yeah I think there's a lot of stigma as well I mean it's definitely more sociably acceptable to have a mental health disorder now but I think there's such a stigma attached to it that people don't don't want to admit that and I've noticed that a lot of people kind of underscore because they're feared that we will change the treatment or they're feared that we will stop something and give them something different you know so I find a lot of patients are not true with that because they're frightened. I think particularly if you add on because I'm I'm thinking you know certain treatments such as isotretinoin where there have been reports of depression and then people just being terrified of that medicine being stopped as well. So perhaps under reporting to get the treatment they they like. Yeah. I mean, I've had people that have come in and they've drawn spots on their face and I'm like, I can see that that's pen, (laughs) you know, but they're so frightened of, of, you know, stopping this medication and it and, you know, their acne returning. It's, it's so profound, the effect that, that living with a skin condition has on your mental health. Going back to um, your service development project that you're that you're undertaking for your MSc, um, what yeah. stage are you at in this? So it's very much at the beginning. Um, so all the proposals are just being put together. So it's it's a long project. It's over twelve months, and there's been a lot of work that's had to be done before it. So we've kind of got all the approvals. We've got all the proposals together. So. We're just waiting now for this kind of cohort of patients to come through. So I'm hoping that from around May, we can start accepting patients to be referred over to the psychology team. That's absolutely fantastic. And hopefully there'll be a nice article about it in the BDNG in the future. Hopefully. (laughs) Brilliant. We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the mental health impact of, of, of skin problems. But do you want to talk a little bit about how our mental health impacts our skin. Yes, absolutely. So I'm sure um, you see it as well as as I do, you know, um, poor mental health or stress or anxiety can exacerbate your your skin condition. And, you know, we see that often it's a, it's a vicious cycle for some people. They've got quite a stressful life, you know, high pressure job, which it just they can't get their skin condition under control. Um, and it their anxiety, their mental health, their poor mental health, it manifests on their skin. I think it reminds me, there's an interesting article or rather, I guess a school of thought you could call it about the inflammatory mechanism of of depression and how there's pro-inflammatory cytokines that are overlapped with psoriasis. So there might partly be an inflammatory reason as to why 
those two are, are linked. So what can you offer patients that do present with kind of mental health issues and skin conditions that are exacerbated by them? I suppose um, in that case, you know, that your meditation apps, you know, things that you can do from home to help you, you know, um, habit reversal, you know, are you so stressed that your skin's flaring and you're scratching it all the time or subconsciously scratching as like a coping mechanism? We see that a lot with children, um, especially children on the spectrum. You know, it's kind of the only way that they can express themselves sometimes, especially if they're nonverbal. So it's about teaching, I suppose, habit reversal skills to them. You know, what can you do instead of scratching your skin? You know, or, you know, for the adults, what can you do to kind of switch off from this state of of anxiety or, or stress, you know? go and have a look at the Calm apps, you know, do some meditation, have a look at the support groups or have a look at what's online to help you. And do you think, are there any top tips, I suppose, we you could share for some of the nurses listening that they could implement um, in their own clinics? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's just, it's recognising it. And I think one of the biggest things that I um, have learned recently, and I think, you know, we've all been guilty of it is, looking at a DLQI and noticing that it's a high score or a low score, but not being able to act on that. You feel like you're doing a disservice to that patient. But even if it's a low score, have a look at what they've scored on. You know, have they scored a three on, you know, is their skin really impacting their their job? What can we do to support them with that? Um, So it's recognising it and recognising that it can affect everyone, but not only patients as well the wider impact that it has on families. Um, so if you've got a child that's up all night scratching, the parents are not going to be sleeping. You know, how's that impacting on their day? Are they able to go to work? Are they able to to function? It's holistic care, really. I think what you're talking about is is absolutely right. We, we've spoken to people before as well, and I think often the, the impact on the family is actually under kind of yeah. what's what underreported yeah uh, so it's I'm glad to hear more and more people kind of bring attention to to the impact it has on the family yeah so are there any I know you've just summarized that nicely but are there any key take-home messages now for people listening to this I know that was pretty much your key take-homes there as well <laughs> anything else so I suppose again it's recognized that you know living with a skin condition can have a profound impact on your mental health you know and you know someone can have the smallest burden of disease but it can really affect them so recognize that encourage them to talk to you look at what help is available for you to help support your patients you know speak to your clinical leads you know your lead nurses is the scope within your department to to develop a psychodermatology department you know or dedicated service and yes just keep championing for mental health fantastic well lovely thank you very much for your time i'm sure a, a lot of the listeners will take away a lot of uh, good practical changes from this talk so thank you for your time definitely thank you so much I think from being in a lucky service as we as we are we can definitely say it's it's worth it and our patients love that we have access to these teams and I I just might end it just saying um I'm very aware we've we're saying a lot of abbreviations so just for those listening who don't know uh, what we're talking about IAPT stands for improving access to psychological therapies 
The DLQI that we mentioned is a questionnaire, Dermatology Life Quality Index. Um, your GAD7 is something that is often used in practice as well, which is your, I think it's your general anxiety, anxiety and depression. And depression, yeah. yeah. And uh, we can link them all into the show notes. And, you know, another point as well, not so much, um, you, you don't have to access like, you know, if, if meditation and calm apps and listening to someone's isn't your thing, a walk, go out for a nice walk, you know, do something that even if it's just take 10 minutes, do something different, take yourself out, you know, and just kind of reset. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for Thank your time. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.